All right. Welcome, everybody. This is the Reality Czars podcast, and I'm your only host today, Nate. Uh, Tony, I think, is still at Squatch Fest or getting home. And I have the true honor and pleasure to have the great David Icke with us. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, do you want to give our audience a little bit of background about you? If uh, There's no way no one has ever heard of you. But <laughs> do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for having me on, mate. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I was born in a place called Leicester in the English East Midlands in 1952. And uh, always wanted to be a professional footballer, which uh, somehow I became. Uh, and then I had finished with arthritis and uh, my next... Uh, my next step was I wanted to be a journalist. So I worked for newspapers and radio and then television, the BBC. Uh, and then um, I became a national spokesman for the British Green Party for a short time, which was very important from my perspective now, because I could see that uh, what politics was like from the inside, um, gut-wrenching. Yeah. And, um, and that's all parties, not just not as yeah. one or two. Uh, and then um, I went through some what you might call paranormal experiences, extraordinary ones, which launched me onto a, um, on the road of, first of all, asking the big questions like, who are we? Where are we? What is this place? Uh, and then uh, some amazing synchronicity took me into, first of all, how the world is not controlled by who we think it is, but by a network I call the global cult that works through the people we think are in power. Many of them don't even know that, the key ones do. And, uh, and then I started to um, go deeper into it and you know, what, how long has this been going and where did it come from and what's behind it? And you go back thousands of years uh, when you're charting it back. So if it's thousands of years, then there's got to be some coordinating force that spans those years. You know, people are being born and dying, being born and dying, playing a part in the advancement of this cult to what it is now on a global level. Uh, so who's coordinating it? What's coordinating it? And that then started taking me into, uh, into the non-human realms and into the, the realms, which is basically all existence virtually, that we can't see, that we're not aware of because... You know, although most people don't realize that when they look through their eyes, they're only seeing a very, very narrow band of frequency. Everything beyond that frequency is is denied them. Just like when you're when you're watching uh, CNN, if you're daft enough to, then uh, you can't see Fox News. You see Fox News, you can't see CNN because you're on a different frequency, different wavelength. Uh, and uh, and it's just gone on from there. And now um, I've just got a new book coming out. Uh, in uh, July called The Trap, where I'm going deeper into the rabbit hole still and asking, well, how, how, how deep does this control really go? Is it just in the world that we see? Or is it in coming out of some of these other worlds or realms that we can't see because the, the body's visual uh, decoding processes cannot decode those frequencies so we can't see them? But we can feel them. You know, people say, you know, that when you know you get a bad feeling about a place, you go, Ooh, don't like it in here. You're feeling it, but you can't see what's making you go, oh, I don't like it in here. Yeah. Well, what's yeah. going on in those realms? And how does that relate to what's going on here? And so uh, I, it was a fascinating experience to research it, actually. That's awesome, man. That is so cool. 
And I mean, and people should really trust their intuition. When you get those feelings in those places, know that something is real and that there's something there and maybe it's time to get the heck out of there. Um, but that's a fascinating thing. And the title of the book, The Trap, it has a very Gnostic feel. Uh, that's a very interesting idea. And do you have any, uh, do you have any, uh, what, what are your thoughts on the whole, like uh, people that call themselves star seeds? Do you think that there's something to that? I think that we almost all the real people that are here are star seeds, like in a, in a way, not necessarily from another planet, but we are from another realm. And this is like a foreign place for us. What, well, what's I, mean, I, I do go into this in the, in the trap in, um, yeah. in some detail. Um, you know, my, my, if we break it down, I mean, it's not this simplistic, but we can, we can break it down. Um, to, to keep it real simple. And, and the foundation of it is absolutely true. It's just a bit more subtle than I'm going to say. Mm. We call this realm uh, the 3D realm, the yeah. realm of human apparent physicality. Uh, and then the next realm to it is, we'll call it the fourth dimension. Some people call it the astral dimension. And then we call the next level the fifth dimension. Now, the, 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 to, to, to put that into kind of context of what I'm writing about in the book, uh, the 3D world is the one we're aware of. The 4D world is the world of mind. It's where mind exists as, as, a, as a field of energy, a field of consciousness. But this 4D world is, um, is broken up into levels. There's the high level of the 4D world, the, the higher astral as some people call it. And then you've got the lower level of the fourth dimension, the lower astral. And if you look at what people over the over the ages have talked about in terms of this lower astral realm, they say that's the realm of demons and that's the realm of demonic energy, etc. Now, you know, people, um, they, they think of another dimension if they do, and they think they're kind of way out there, way out there. Now, you know, things like you know, what, what I'll call the fifth dimension and beyond, which are higher and higher frequencies, uh, then they are in wavelength terms way out there. Um, they're in the same space that we're occupying, but they're kind of way out from the one that we are aware of. But the lower levels of the fourth dimension are not. They, they feed in, they, they bleed in to this 3D world. So a lot of these entities, you know, they, they, these uh, like these entities that people see and they, they don't seem to be related to the human world or um, it might be an animal of something of, of some kind or a, a, you know a kind of humanoid uh, non-human uh, it could be a reptilian it could be a, a, a gray it could be any any of these different uh, forms but they appear to people and then disappear they might mm -hmm. appear on the the bed, a, a, a spacecraft might, or what appears to be a spaceship, a, appears to them and then disappears. And it's like, when people explain, this is my experience, people who, who, who are not aware of how it works, they say, you're mad, mate. You know, what are you on? Things can't appear and disappear. Kind of entities appearing for it, disappearing. You can't do that. But you can. Because they're not disappearing and they're not appearing. Um, in terms of their manifesting and demanifesting, they don't do anything except enter from this lower fourth dimension. The um, 
the visual frequency band of what we call visible light, which is the only band of frequency that we humans can see, in, except unless we are psychically uh, gifted. The, the normal frequency range that people manifest as human sight, the world of, quote, physicality, is a tiny frequency band called visible light. And so when these entities, craft, enter visible light, to the observer, to the human observer, they appear to just come out of nowhere. But they haven't. They've just entered the frequency band that you can decode and thus perceive. And then they leave, yeah. and they appear to disappear into nowhere, but they haven't. They've just left your visual frequency band. So there's enormous amount, I mean, fundamental for me, amount of manipulation of this reality, the world of the scene, from this lower fourth dimension, the so-called demonic realms. And it's interesting when you, you, you look around the world, because when I started getting uh, an understanding of all this, I thought, well, this couldn't have started yesterday. Or 50 years ago so when did it start and by the way if um if this is real then therefore it must have been uh talked about and mentioned by the ancients and then you start looking at the different uh, cultures um that go way back around the world south african culture aboriginal culture native american culture on and on and on gnostic culture and um, you find, uh, actually, they're absolutely uh, talking about this in their own terms. And one of the ways that these entities that were, that these manipulating entities, these lower fourth dimensional manipulating entities, uh, were perceived was as gods. They're making sacrifice to the gods. Well, what was that? That's sacrificing uh, someone, uh, getting them into a state of absolute terror, and 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 whatever we're thinking or feeling is being broadcast by us as a frequency. So love is a high frequency uh, and uh, hate and um, depression and fear are low frequencies and terror is a very, very low frequency. And these entities are low frequency entities and they mm -hmm. feed off like, you know, Morpheus holding the battery up. The, human, uh, the machines have turned humans into one of these a source of, uh, of information, of power rather, a source of energy. Uh, and, and these lower fourth dimensional entities are feeding off um, human low vibrational um, energy, emotion, thought, which is why they don't wonder us in high um, heart open states of love and joy and happiness, because that's outside the frequency band that these, these uh, entities can absorb. So, Basically, they have structured uh, human uh, human society, 3D world, as a, on one level, there are other aspects to it, as a, an energy source for them. Um, and so the more that they can manipulate the human population into low frequency uh, emotional and mental states, the more energy they have to absorb. Because, you know, if you... If you think, okay, you've got the world of the scene. Well, it's not, it's not precisely like this, but it's a good rule of thumb. If you can't see it, then it's, it's lower fourth dimension or fourth dimension. So um, if you, uh, for instance, go to a, um, a standing stone circle in, uh, in, in 3D mode, you will see stones standing there, just standing there. 
and there'll be crystalline stones. Why did the ancients choose crystalline stones? Because if you could see that standing stone circle just a little bit deeper into the, the field, um, which human sight usually can't see, you would see actually energy flying around that um, stone circle. You would see a vortex probably going up from it. Lots of different lines would be crossing, creating these big vortexes, <coughs> which is why they, they put these um, major stone circles like Stonehenge and Avery and many others around the world and on particular sites to harness this energy. Um, so uh, if, you, if you don't bring the lower, four, at least the lower fourth dimensional realm, into this, uh, what the hell is going on in our world, then you've lost the plot, really, because you're not going to understand it, because most of what happens in this world is dictated by what's happening in the world of the unseen, both by entities we can't see, and by energies we can't see. So when you, you go into a, a um, say you go into a house, like an, an old mansion or something, you know, think of the mansion in... Um, Eyes Wide Shut, the Stanley Kubrick film, which uh, explored Satanism among the elite. Uh, and you go in there and it may be that um, there's nothing going on, it's just a house, but you go in and, oh my God, it's already in the night. Mm -hmm. So what are you actually feeling? You can't see a problem, but you feel there's a problem because we feel these fourth dimensional entities and, and energies we just don't see them. Um, and it's in the world that we can't see that the answers to why what is happening in the world that we can see are there to be found. Interesting. I mean, that explains so much as far as like why the elite want to keep us afraid and scared and why they manipulate us so much. Now, what yes. you were saying about uh, the different energies and you being able to feel them and even the, maybe the way to like harness energies, is that a reason why... Uh, different like uh, places like let's say Washington DC if you look at the layout you can see like a pentagram like do they use these like sigils and different things to like manifest like like seats of power and things like that like is that is that something or is that just a symbol do they just do that to no it's it's not just a symbol um, actually I'm, I'm I'm at the uh, the iconic studio in in Derby in uh, the East Midlands here in England at the moment um, and uh, I'm just about to make a film, actually, in the next few weeks uh, called um, Albion, the Heart of the World. Albion being the, the ancient name for the, basically the British Isles. Um, and the, the, the film is about the fact, as I would uh, suggest, that the heart center of this global energy grid of energy, people call ley lines, dragon lines, meridian lines, is actually the British Isles. And that's why these islands that you can hardly find on the globe when you're looking for them have had such an incredible impact on human society, not least through the British Empire. But now, you know, the, you know this is one of the great centers for this global cult, uh, uh, Britain, particularly um, England, Scotland, etc. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm going to explore the, the impact of these 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 energy lines this energy grid upon human consciousness because um, if you can lower the frequency of these lines 
then you are lowering the frequency of what I call the field because the five senses can only see um, the frequency band of what we call form. So I'm sitting in the studio and I can see a light and I can see a computer and I can see a window. Um, and between those things seems to be empty space. That's what the five senses do. They give us a visual reality that has form, which is the frequency that we can perceive as something that exists like a thing. And in between it, it's empty space, but it's not empty space. Again, this field that actually connects everything, connects all of us, connects all the forms, is a field of energy consciousness. So we are like fish swimming in the sea of this energy consciousness. Now, if you want to affect all the fish at the same time, what do you do? You affect the sea. You don't have to affect every fish. You affect the sea they're swimming in, and you're going to affect them in totality. So yeah. one of the foundations of this manipulation and suppression of humanity is to, um, first of all, keep this energy grid, this ley line grid in a very low um, frequency state, which impacts upon the, the frequency state of the field. So we're now interacting with a field that's in a low vibrational state. So what's likely to happen, it's going to pull people interacting with it into a low vibrational state. Control of the frequency band of this field, the frequency nature of this field is, is absolutely foundation to human control. So when you open your heart and you, uh, you uh, put out high vibrational energy, you put out the energy of love, of joy, of happiness, of, of, uh, of respect, all these things, you're putting that energy into the field and you're changing the field. So they don't want us again, uh, as I said a few minutes ago, in those high frequency states because we're starting to reverse the low vibrational state of the field that they want to uh, they want to maintain as part of their control. So if we come to symbols, um, symbols are energetic. I've written about this at length in, in some of my earlier books. Symbols are um, energetic fields. I, I don't know if you've ever um, seen the, um, the demonstrations of something called cymatics. No. Cymatics is fascinating. What they do is um, they'll put, say, um, particles on a metal plate and they'll play a frequency across the plate. And what you see is the particles forming into extraordinary geometrical shapes. And then they'll change the frequency and the particles will reform in another um, geometrical shape. And, 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 you know, they'll, they'll play certain frequencies and these particles will move into the same uh, shapes as like the pentagram, like the, uh, the six-pointed star, the hexagram and so on. Um, and, and then they change the frequency and they'll change the, the particles that will, will change the, the, what, what they form. And the other thing is, the higher the free, this is fascinating, the higher the frequency they play, the more intricate and complex the forms become that the particles move into. So where, where I'm going with that is that 
We see a symbol, but a symbol is a sound. A symbol is a frequency, and a frequency manifests a symbol, as you see with cymatics. So when they're putting these uh, frequencies all around us and these symbols all around us, and they're like Washington DC, you're absolutely right. You just you you go and you know I've, I've had it, I put it in a lot of my books, but you can see it uh, in other places too. That the street plan breaks up into very clear esoteric symbols. So what is that doing? It's generating a frequency. That's what it's doing. Yeah. Uh, and so um, you'll notice that uh, Amer American cities are overwhelmingly set up in blocks, which are squares and, and straight lines. Well, you, you know, if you, if you get a, a building, for instance, that flows, uh, its architecture flows and it's got circles and it's got, uh, uh, um, you know, it's not straight. It's not been done with just a guy with a pencil and a ruler. It has an energy. It has a vibrance about it. Um, but if you, you look at these straight line buildings, which are which have more and more manifested in the modern world, the big block of flats, the big kind of towers, just like oblongs of concrete. Yeah, modern architecture is so ugly. Yeah. It's terrible. People, what do people say? They say, oh, the, the city's soulless now. Well, yeah, because there's no energy. It, they're, they're blocking the flow of energy through the way that they, they, uh, they build their buildings, etc. cetera. Uh, and, and so a symbol is uh, a, if you like, a, a visual manifestation of a frequency state. So they don't use symbols by accident. I mean, in, in one of my books, I, uh, I do a, an image of um, children's cartoons uh, and like Nickelodeon and all that stuff, uh, those kind of things. And the number of times a pyramid with an eye on it, like the pyramid and all seeing eye on the dollar bill and the reverse of the great seal of the United States, the, the number of times they appear in cartoons for kids. What? What are you doing? But they know that that symbol, because of the frequency it represents, will impact upon the subconscious mind of the, uh, of the kids. And they're always trying to get into the subconscious mind uh, through what we call subliminals, below threshold, below the threshold of the conscious mind. Because if they can get into the subconscious mind, then that's going to filter through at some point into the conscious mind. And people are going to think they've had their own thought when it's actually been implanted in the subconscious. This is how subliminal advertising works. Um, they, they show you subliminals in what appears to be an advertisement and you can't see the subliminal, but your subconscious can. And, and so um, you, um, you're walking down the aisle in the supermarket and for no apparent reason, you, you, you kind of look over at this product and pick it up and look at it. Why am I looking at this? Well, because it's been planted in your mind in that TV advert where you couldn't see the subliminal that wasn't planted in your mind. So symbols are used uh, massively all the time because they know um, that if you look at the subconscious, the sub subconscious uh, thinks and perceives in symbols, symbolism. And so they use that to, to, to get into the subconscious mind, which is why, uh, you know, studies of... Uh, 
construed, uh, concluded that something like 95% of human behavior uh, comes from the subconscious and not the conscious mind. That is fascinating. Uh, I, I do see those symbols, like you can see them everywhere. There's a bridge that I have to drive by or drive across every single day. And they have these, uh, they have the big obelisks on them. They don't serve any function for the bridge. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're yeah. just there. And, and it, like you said, it's just a symbol. And it's, and I, I do find it uh, fascinating too, because like in this world, we are, we are like subconscious. We are like, uh, we are these really amazing beings, but we are trapped in a meat suit in this area. Like, well, shout out to your book, Trapped, right? We are, we are something, uh, something special, but we are in this like physical realm currently. And it's funny and not funny and terrible the way that they use these symbols that we can see them and they have a physical shape, but they also have this consciousness that, uh, to it, like that is giving energy that affects our conscious being inside of the meat suit. Yeah, that's, that is really interesting and yeah, I've been, say, I've been saying for decades that the foundation of human control um, is to disconnect the five sense, what I call body-mind, from uh, the influence of our expanded levels of consciousness. Uh, yeah. so they, they want us focused only in the realm of the five senses because that, as I said earlier, decodes everything as apart from everything else. So you, 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 that's how you see the world. You don't think that everything's connected. And if you want to divide and rule a population, the foundation of that is to get them to think that they're not all connected. Uh, and yeah. that actually at, 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 the, at the highest level of consciousness, we're all each other. Uh, and, you know, in terms of, you know, the subconscious conscious mind, what people like me have been doing, you've been doing with your show, is to make the unconscious conscious. That's the whole point of what we're doing. Because once the unconscious becomes conscious, the unconscious loses its power. And I, I'll give you a, a, an example of that. Uh, in a couple of my books, I've put in a subliminal, and it's simply four plants next to each other. Very simple picture. Uh, and the question is, where's the subliminal in this, um, in this picture? And, you know, again, something like 95% of people don't see it first time. But then you point it out. And what it is, is between the plants, the, the space between the plants makes out the word sex. Uh, and, and people go, oh, yeah, I see it now. This is the point. Every time that person who couldn't see it sees that picture again, I mean, try it. It works every time. The sex subliminal they couldn't see is the first thing they see. Why? Because the subconscious, the unconscious has been made conscious. So what's happened in this, uh, this COVID period is that um, the control system has been put so much in our face for anyone with half a brain cell on active duty that so much has come out of the subconscious. It's, they're, they're being subliminally manipulated without knowing all the way through their lives. And now suddenly it's been made conscious. And now you're getting all these people more, more, far more, dramatically more than ever before, who can now see things they couldn't see before. Oh, I know why they're doing this now. Oh, I know why they're doing that. 
oh yeah, this is why they're doing this, because the unconscious manipulation has been made conscious. And that's what we're doing. We're taking the unconscious and we're making it conscious. And that uh, links into, again, what I've been writing for a long time, is that we live in two worlds. We, we live in one world, but there are actually two worlds. There's the world of the population, and there's the world of this global cult. And this global cult is an interlocking global network of secret societies with a central directing mission control that I call the spider. And they're secret societies. Well, why are they secret? To keep secrets. Who from? The population. So what you've got is knowledge being passed on through these initiates at the highest level, not Bill and Joe down the Freemasons Lodge, the, the highest level of the inner core, this knowledge of reality, uh, how the manipulation works to what end and how, what, what reality is and, and how reality is being manipulated, that's all passed on through the secret society network. Whereas the population, the target population, is uh, fed with a version of reality to keep them completely uh, unaware of what they know. So you've got this global cult through, at least in America, J.D. Rockefeller created the, um, the education system, which is now like it's now on steroids in terms of uh, being a programming operation for kids. Uh, then you've got the global media owned by the cult uh, and, and uh, Silicon Valley owned by the cult. And they're bashing out a version of reality and censoring alternatives to keep people in ignorance of what they know, this other world knows. Uh, and the reason they, they, they're desperate to censor uh, people like me and, and, and others is because what those people are doing is they're taking what they know, indeed what they're doing, and they're making it conscious to the population. Uh, and uh, this two worlds, and the difference between them is knowledge. It's awareness. Uh, knowledge of reality, knowledge of what the plan is and where it's meant to go, and keeping that knowledge from the population. Uh, so... Um, Knowledge is the key, and uh, this is why they're desperate to stop uh, the population having it. And, you know, when you talk about locking people into the five senses, one of the massively successful and, and um, very effective ways that they do it is to get the population to identify with the body. You mentioned it earlier about this body-centric um, way that we see the world well they want us to identify self the i with the human labels the labels of the human life so they want us to uh, identify with man woman sexuality race religion politics all these things um so so that we are self-identifying the i with the five sense world which is where they want to lock us in. So we're not influenced by expanded levels of our unconsciousness. Uh, and so what they're doing now, and this is one of the reasons, one of the key reasons for this, is they're subdividing the previous labels. So you've got this LGBTQ plus thing, and the letters get longer and longer, because now they're getting the young particularly 
to self-identify the I with the minutiae of detail about their sexuality or race or whatever. So every time you, you subdivide a human label and people identify with it, you're getting further and further away from the expanded consciousness that they are because their focus of attention is getting smaller and smaller. Uh, and what we call awakening, the awakening, is nothing more than awakening from the prison cell of the five senses and tapping into more expanded levels of our consciousness. So if we come to that fifth dimensional level that I talked about, um, we use that as, a, as, as, if you like, a, a symbol of expanded consciousness. If you start tapping into that fifth dimensional and above level of awareness, you're tapping into knowledge, insight, knowing, intuitive knowing that um, other people are not. And the other thing about um, expanded awareness is you start to see the panorama rather than the myopia. So while the five senses are seeing dots, and not just dots like the things around me in the studio, but they're seeing Silicon Valley in isolation, dot. Their government in isolation, dot. Uh, Bill Gates in isolation, dot. World Health Organization in isolation, dot. That's how the five senses see the world. And if you're only in them, that's how you'll see it. But once you start to expand your awareness, you start to connect the dots because you are now seeing panoramas rather than uh, myopias. And suddenly you can see how the dots connect. Uh, and, and so again, the foundation of this control system is to stop that expansion of awareness because it knows, it absolutely knows that once that's happened, the game's over. And uh, so um, they're doing everything they can to shut that up, shut people up. And if you go back through what we call history, you'll see that anyone that was talking about exploring uh, the other levels of awareness beyond the five senses, they were always targeted by the system. So uh, for a long time, they had religion as the uh, prison warders on consciousness and perception. So if you went outside whatever religion, it didn't matter. But if you went out of the bounds of whatever religion, then you were a blasphemer and, you know, burn at the stake and all that stuff because you were um, expanding your questioning, your awareness beyond the walls of the religion, which was designed to keep you asleep, keep you in prison, perceptual prison. And, and, uh, and now, of course, you've got the same thing going on uh, with the religion called woke, because that's what it is, uh, which encompasses Silicon Valley and all this, these other areas, these corporations. And what they're doing is saying, you must not blaspheme against the religion of woke and political correctness. Otherwise, we'll, we'll shut you up, which is just another version of the religious history. And the common theme between all of them is hold people in a five sense perception of uh, awareness and you got them. Let them break out of that and your game's over. That's super fascinating. That, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with everything you just said. That's amazing. 
And I, I think about religion a lot of times. And I think religion, religion in itself is the biggest problem with everything. Like myself, um, I consider myself a Christ follower. So I, I love like the philosophy of Jesus Christ. And I try to like adhere myself to like, you know, his words and his teachings. But I don't necessarily, I don't like the word religion. I don't like the locked box. And I think that religion has been used for, I mean, like you said, forever too. Like when you start to feel that, that consciousness, when you start to feel the Godhead, they would try to lock that in a box. And if you tried to, you know, uh, I mean, you'd get excommunicated, right? I mean, that was the whole, the whole thing when the church had the whole, you know, religion in a box. That's fascinating. Um, yeah, that, that, that's what it was used for. These are you. You look around the world and you see the institutions of religion, institutions of state, uh, and they're all um, guards on the gate to expanded levels of awareness. All mm -hmm. of them, uh, and they're all in their own ways keeping you um, locked away in a perceptual prison, and and giving you consequences if you refuse to stay there. All of them. David, have you ever experimented with psychedelics at all? I mean, to me, I, I was uh, that uh, psychedelic mushrooms brought me back to Jesus. Like psychedelic mushrooms. When I, so I was a young man. I would take psychedelic mushrooms and I would be exploring Portland on the max. And then I would see like a homeless man over here and someone that I would normally just walk right past. I would see the spark of the like the divine in them as well, and I could sense it. Like for me, psychedelics let me break out of this this skin for a while and let me feel other things. And so sometimes that can be scary. Like if you're in a bad situation, like in a scary place, you can probably feel that as well. But like it helped me personally to feel like the humanity in other people and made me a more empathic kind person and that actually brought me back to Jesus which is fascinating <laughs> yeah but I think a lot of these um, again a lot of these uh, religious figures um, are, are symbols of a a consciousness state uh, which people can symbolize um, as an individual but actually it's a consciousness state that they're feeling and they're representing um, in an individual but in terms of the um, the, the psychoactive drugs. I, I did take uh, ayahuasca twice in 2000 in a um, rainforest in Brazil. Um, and I'd, I'd written a book in uh, 2002, it came out. Um, and you'll see why it came out in 2002, because it, it was a book exposing the, uh, the lies of 9-11. And while I was writing that, um, I said to... Uh, I said to someone, you know, if I'm going to really understand this world better, I've got to get out there, not in some dream, but I've got to get out there in, in a way that I'm conscious of being out there. And I can, I can have a look at this world from another angle. <clears throat> well, within a very short time, maybe two weeks uh, or so, I got invited to go to Brazil and uh, take part in, a, in a, a conference, you might call it, in the Brazilian rainforest near Manaus and, uh, and partake of ayahuasca, this rainforest plant. And uh, I could have taken it four times. I took it twice. That was enough for me. And I had a, um, an amazing experience on it. Some people there didn't, but I had an amazing experience on it. Um, 
And on the second night in particular, I took this uh, increased dose, if you like, tastes like licorice. Um, and it takes about an hour to kick in. And what happens is when it, when it kicks in, when you open your eyes, you're in this world again. When you close them, you're in a completely different reality. And, Interesting. And the thing is that what happens when, you, when you're in an ayahuasca uh, state is you don't want to open your eyes. Your eyes, your eyes want to close. And what happened to me, uh, this is 2003, is um, as soon as it started kicking in, this very loud female voice started talking to me, which would have been a, you know, a frequency communication that my brain was decoding um, about the nature of reality, the illusory nature of reality. And the voice spoke for about five hours about how this world is all an illusion, that it's not physical at all. Uh, and uh, so I came back to, to England and um, I had instant recall of, the, of what, what, what was said. And I started looking at mainstream science and the different disciplines. And I started to see, actually, if these disciplines only talk to each other, uh, they're already uncovered a lot of the supporting evidence that this world is indeed an illusion, that the physicality just is, not, is not real. We experience it as physicality, but it's not actually physical. And it's all going on in, in, in our heads, but beyond our heads, but uh, in our minds, better way of putting it. And uh, so if you, as I was talking about earlier, in terms of what we can see, uh, according to mainstream science, the electromagnetic spectrum, which is basically this reality, is 0.005% um, of what exists in the universe. Some say it's as high as 0.5%, whatever, it's tiny. And visible light, which is the only frequency band, as I said earlier, that we can actually see, is a smear, and it is a smear of the 0.005%. So humans are basically blind to what exists in infinite reality. We're only seeing one tiny, tiny TV channel, if you like, within that um, infinite reality. So um, straight ahead, immediately you can see the nonsense of uh, believing in something without question it's like uh, socrates is supposed to said in ancient greece wisdom is knowing how little we know once you once you you are humble enough to know that within the circumstances that we are experiencing there's always going to be more to know that opens your mind because you're now open to other all possibility uh, you don't mean you believe everything. Of course you don't. But but it means you're open to the possibility and you give it its opportunity to show itself to be real. Whereas if you look at the system organizations, they're telling you how things are. A religion tells you how things are. And if you question or want to go beyond it, you're a blasphemer. Yeah. They're all prisons of, they're all perceptual prisons, all of them. So you go to school and you are given the state's version of everything. And if you um, question what you're being told or don't accept what you're being told or want to know things like, how do you know that teacher? 
well, somebody told me, well, how did they know? Well, somebody told them, that's how it works. Then, you know, hello, Mrs. Jones, it's about Johnny. He's a disruptive influence in the classroom. Yeah, he's asking questions, right? He's not buying what you're telling him without, without question. So, that was me. <laughs> yeah, it was me too. But education, therefore, it's not education, it's indoctrination. And it suppresses genuine questioning and suppresses a genuinely free mind. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's just in, in that sense, the same structure as religion and all these things that go with it. They are perceptual prisons. And uh, if we um, submit to that, then we are going to live our lives in a myopia of, of perceptual possibility. And, and what goes along with that, uh, which, which perpetuates it and exacerbates it, is the fact that people are frightened of expressing their individuality, especially now, because groupthink is now a religion, the world would think religion, if you, you, you're either with us or against us, if you question us in any way, then you're, you're an evil racist bigot, transphobe. Um, the fear is that if I express my individuality, if I express my individual view, then I'm going to get consequences. I might, I might even lose my job that um, I, I obviously don't want to happen, so I'll keep the mouth shut. And so you have the worst kind of censorship, which is self-censorship. It's worse than anything that Silicon Valley is doing because there's no debate or anything, no discussion. You just don't say it. Uh, and so this combination of perceptual indoctrination and intimidating those that have questions or have another view, that, that double whammy is, um, is, is suppressing enormous amounts of information that, um, that people should be, have the right to hear. But uh, then there's this other group um, that is not only uh, able to see it, but unwilling to cooperate with what it sees. And uh, they're the ones that are, um, are, are going to bring this down. They're the ones that have brought down every tyranny in history, the ones that have the self-respect um, to, first of all, question what they're told, see that they're lying, and then not cooperate with the liars. That's how you bring these things down. Yeah. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. Something that you said I thought was really fascinating and got my attention is when you were talking about uh, how you decoded what that female's voice said to you. And I, I find that really fascinating too, because it's like, uh, I, it's bizarre in this world, there's like, there's rules to this dimension. And so when they, when they try to communicate with us or whether or not, like if like, let's say uh, a reptilian or a, uh, an alien comes here, there's like rules to this dimension and they have to like, they have to take form in a way that we can perceive. Um, that is really fascinating. The words that you use that you, uh, that you were decoding what she, the, what she was saying to you. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is um, these deeper kind of, if you like, esoteric concepts are actually used all the time in this world. But because we, we're so familiar with them, people don't see that actually one is an expression of the other. So if, if um, a consciousness entity, whatever you want to call it, is communicating with you from another dimension of reality, it does so 
through frequency. Frequency carries information. Look at television. The broadcast yeah. of frequency is carrying your television programs in the analog system. And uh, the television... What we're then, doing right now. Yeah. yeah. And the television then decodes that frequency into what you see on the screen. What is the computer doing? It's decoding Wi-Fi in a radiation frequency form into something very different that you see on the screen. So I'm speaking now, and um, what is happening is my vocal cords are vibrating to generate a frequency field called words. So there's not words that we can hear passing between us. It's frequency. And what happens is the ears pick up that frequency. They turn it, like all the senses do it this, this way. They turn that frequency into electrical signals, an electrical version of the same uh, information. They communicate it to the brain, and the brain decodes the electrical uh, communication into what we call words. So um, the brain is trained to decode uh, the frequency field into English, or it's trained to do it into Spanish or whatever, because obviously the frequency of Spanish is different from the frequency of English. But they, this is how, how it's done. Uh, and, and so the communications from out there, which we pick up and decode into words from frequencies, is just another version of what we're doing when we're talking to each other. Yeah, a hundred percent. I had a question for you as far as like how has uh, like how has shamanism shaped you? You you got to meet and did you study with? Uh, I'm going to butcher his name right now. Uh, Credo Mutwa. No, Credo Mutwa. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't study with him. Um, I had long conversations with him. Hmm. And we kind of, uh, I, I gave him the Western view uh, or the Western um, version of how the world's controlled. And he gave me the Zulu version and they sync. Interesting. That's they so cool. I, I, I told him, uh, you know, about what Western intelligence military people had told me about the world being manipulated by non-human entities. And uh, he told me the Zulu legends about how the world's controlled by and manipulated by non-human entities, which is what you find in the Gnostic uh, um, texts, what you find in... I mean, this is the thing, you know. Um, it's the way there is so much agreement on things between religions and belief systems that are perceived to be in opposition to each other. So you've got the Christian religion talks about Satan and demons. The Gnostics, which are not, uh, you know, straightforward um, Christianity, they talk about Yaldabaoth, their version of Satan, and the Archons, which is Greek for rulers. But the, the Gnostic Archons are the Christian demons. Yep. Then you have the Islamic religion talking about the jinn and how the jinn are operating outside of human sight and manipulating humans. 
you have the Chittahuri from uh, the Zulu, Credo Mutwa uh, culture, uh, which are described as um, reptilian entities manipulating human society. So, you know, wherever you look, I mean, you, you see, I mean, the Native Americans talk about star people. I mean, you see this, these common themes, but because everything is presented as opposition and, oh, well, I'm a Christian and I'm a Muslim and all that stuff. Yeah, but let's just put aside what we don't agree on. That's let, the religion. That's the religion. Yeah. Deal. You know, it was funny. I, I was in a, a taxi um, going from New York Airport into the city few years ago, quite a few years ago now, and it was a Muslim taxi driver. And we were chatting away, he said, what are you doing at the moment? I said, oh, I'm actually reading some uh, Gnostic texts from, uh, from documents found at Nagamadi in uh, Egypt, uh, about 75 miles north of Luxor in Egypt, which were found in an earthen jar in 1945, uh, left by the, the belief system known as the Gnostics. Um, and I, I, I told him about what, what was in these documents about the archons, about a fifth of the writings about the archons, this non-human force manipulating human society. And he said to me, uh, without any prompting, he said, well, that sounds like the jinn, right? And yet, it, yes, yes, and it's a good reason because actually you're all talking about basically the same thing, but you're using different languages and different terms, different emphasis and this is what's happened a lot you know the the historians and the anthropologists they go around these ancient cultures oh the, 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 these people had these gods called so and so these people had these gods called so and so and all that stuff and you say well hold on a minute, just take a breath look at how they describe their gods and what they did and now look at how they describe their gods and, what they did. and look for the common patterns rather than because they've got different names and they're different cultures, that they're necessarily talking about something different. And, and when you do, the common themes are amazing. Um, you know, it's out there. You know, what do they say? Uh, 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 the, the truth is out there. Well, it is, but it's scrambled and it's, it's uh, scattered. And what we need to do is to bring it together. Because uh, when you do, you realize... Um, how much has been absolutely in our face all along. We just haven't seen it. Yeah. And that's what you do. That's awesome, David. Uh, I had a quick question for you. Um, I'd like to ask my guests this and sometimes I forget to ask, but what is your favorite cryptid? If you had to say my favorite, uh, cryptid like cryptozoology, like, um, like Bigfoot, Mothman, anything like that. Do you have a favorite or, <laughs> Well, uh, I, I guess I'm interested. I've been interested over the years in the men in black. Yeah. Because um, I've seen uh, people uh, describe their experiences of them. And I remember one that really struck me. It was in a documentary and there was this guy. He was running a garage in the middle of bloody nowhere, you know, like a desert situation. And he said, these um, men in black turned up, the classic men in black. And uh, they were very weird and very sinister. And then they left. He said, and I walked out and they were nowhere to be seen. He said, and there's no way 
they could have got, and you, you know, the, the camera showed the, the distance that you could see from his garage. There's no way that, that, that in that very short amount of time, they could have been out of sight. So where the hell did they go? And, you know, this is where, again, we come into this, this concept I have of um, these lower fourth dimensional entities, which they can manifest in any way they want, because the energy is much more subtle or, or subtler than, than this apparently physical world, which is, but they, they can slip into this reality. And um, when people, you know, talk about the many black, they say, oh, there's a very strange energy about them. And, you know, otherworldly sometimes they say, well, yeah, but if they've just slipped into this dimension briefly out of another dimension, then they will be all of those things. So uh, that, that kind of fascinates me. And in terms of Bigfoot and all this stuff, you know, all, all of it could, could be explained by lower fourth dimension or fourth dimensional, as there are lower fourth dimensional entities, although you get to the lower fourth dimension, it's much easier to, to manifest here because the frequencies are, are much more close and compatible. Um, but they can come in from, from these other uh, realms and, and be seen um, and appear to be unexplainable. And from our reality, maybe they are, but not from another reality. Yeah, absolutely. Bigfoot is one of my, he is my favorite cryptid. You know, I grew up here in the Pacific Northwest, like in his stomping grounds, apparently. Yeah. And so I often wonder, is he a physical creature or is he interdimensional? And as I get older and as I learn more, it seems most likely interdimensional. Yeah, like I said earlier, um, we think that other dimensions are way out there. They're not. You know, they, they bleed into each other as 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 frequencies um, get higher and higher. So this lower fourth dimension, this lower astral, very, very close to this one. In fact, you know, because, because I, I say anyway, and I talk about this at length in the trap, mind, what we call mind. So you, you've got the brain, which is in the th three-dimensional world, if you like. And then you've got mind, different from the brain. The brain is not the mind. The, 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 the brain processes information. Yeah. So it will process information from uh, body-mind, and it will process information from expanded levels of consciousness. It, it just is a processor of information. That's why they can't find the seat of consciousness in the brain, because it ain't there. Our mind is a, is, a, is a field of consciousness, a field of energy. Um, and it operates in this um, astral realm. This is, that's the realm of mind. You go on, you go into soul, you go into spirit and all that stuff. But astral is the level of mind. Uh, and so um, it's, uh, it's there that they can get into us. There's, it, it, because it's mind... Uh, the, the mind part of body mind is actually in the fourth dimension that, that then fourth dimensional um, sources, if you like, can manipulate us at that fourth dimensional mind mental level um, and, and get us to uh, manifest a whole, and that's what I think is the situation, manifest a whole fake reality that only exists in our mind. Yeah. Um, so, this 
the, the, this world we call the 3D is a projection of mind. It's a projection of fourth dimensional mind. Uh, and because at that level, mind is being bombarded constantly with information from what people will call the matrix or the simulation, which I say this world is. You imagine, a, 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 imagine the mind is a computer and the computer is taking Wi-Fi information, which is constantly being bombarded with, and the, um, the operator can lock it into different aspects of that Wi-Fi field. And then that Wi-Fi field becomes manifest on the, on the screen, that part of the Wi-Fi field they're blocked into. So mind is being bombarded by this matrix. This matrix, this uh, construct that we call the world, is actually information. And so when I first saw the Matrix movies, I, I mean, I don't know what the motivation was of making them. But from my point of view, it was a godsend because you, you now had a visual representation of what you were trying to get across. So if you, um, if you look at um, how they entered the Matrix in the Matrix movies, it was a, a probe in the back of the neck, actually the reptilian brain area, actually. Uh, appropriately and the body never entered the matrix the body was always on the ship yep the mind entered the matrix through a connection to that information source which was the probe in the back of the neck and yeah. once that probe was taken out then people were consciously back in the ship but they only entered the matrix with their mind, yeah, their body, right? And this is why I explore in the trap that the body is not, or put it another way, the mind is not in the body. The body is in the mind. Mm -hmm. It's the other way round. The mind has become so confused by this bombardment of fake information, which is constantly decoding this fourth dimensional level, that it thinks it's in the body. And therefore, it also thinks the body is the governor. So uh, you give the mind a prognosis you've got six months to live or you've got cancer or something and if the mind and most people's minds are like this think the body is the governor then they'll die of whatever they believe is going to kill them and so when a doctor is telling you you're you, you've got cancer and you've got six months to live the, the great majority of people will die within six months because the mind accepts that reality and therefore manifests it. Yeah, Whereas 100%. One of the great uh, frontiers of why this information is so important is that once you know that the body is a manifestation of the mind, you realize the mind's the governor of the body, not the other way around. 
And when you stress the mind, this manifests as effects in the body. Why? Because the mind's uh, distress, disharmony, expresses itself as the disharmony, dis-ease in the body. And those, um, those things can be reversed. So I've been saying for decades, if it can go wrong, it can go right. You realize the way it's gone wrong, you can reverse that and make it go right. You know, what is aging? It's a program of the mind. The mind is told uh, that, that, it's, that the body has an aging program, so it manifests it. Uh, I mean, you know, you shouldn't be doing that at your age. Well, bloody watch me, mate. Oh, I'm getting old now. Oh, no, no, you know. I, I, when I was a kid, oh, you used to forget things. Oh, now, now you're kind of 60, 70, and you forget things just like you did when you were a kid. Oh, yeah, that's your age. Or maybe I just forgot it, right? <laughs> All this stuff going on and on and on. I was walking into a, uh, a, um, uh, a supermarket uh, in, uh, in England a couple of days ago. And there's a big bloody banner outside. And it says, I forget what the figures were exactly, but it said something like uh, three out of every seven men will get prostate cancer. Oh, really? So how do you think that poster is going to affect many people that see that? Yeah. Right? And you, you, yep. look, at the, you, you look at the advertisements, propaganda for, about cancer and all these different things. I mean, of course, the American media would not exist without the drug company, company adverts, Big Pharma. And what is it telling you? And, and what do they tell you? COVID, these are the symptoms. Monkeypox, these are the symptoms. Polio, these are the symptoms. All the time they are uh, giving you reasons to manifest what they're putting in front of you. And, you know, it's, um, it's a, a big area that needs exploring, and I'm going to of how they are um, psychologically programming us to manifest our own disease. Yeah, absolutely. You say to someone, okay, or, or someone you know, coughs, um, and it's cough, okay, got a cough, yeah, okay, fine. Now, what's on the chalet? You cough now? Ooh, have you tested for COVID? It's it's just completely changed this this whole dynamic of a cough or um, uh, oh I've got flu-like symptoms. Well, maybe you've got the flu, mate. You know the flu that disappeared when they brought flu-like symptoms COVID in. Uh, and so once you kind of see this dynamic between the the mind and the body, and now the the mind's state is expressed in the body state, then you see how they are manifesting disease by programming the mind's perceptions of disease. So, you know, I, um, I've not had a sniffle since COVID started. I've just turned 70. Why, I've hugged thousands of people at rallies in London. 
How come I've been so lucky? No, my mind's not having it. My mind won't yeah. manifest the symptoms because my mind doesn't believe in it because it, 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 it doesn't exist. It's a mind virus. Yeah, it's a mind yeah. virus. And, and you, you've hit the, the, you, you, the key phrase there. Life, as it's lived in this reality, is a mind virus. That's, what it's, that, that's what's happening. The mind is being scrambled just like a computer virus scrambles a computer. You know, you, what, what happens when you get a, a, a computer virus, okay? You've got an operator and you've got the computer and the operator's typing and banging the mouse. And then suddenly the first thing, the first thing that the operator thinks is, oh, my computer's slow today, what's going on? And then the virus takes more and more um, control of the operating system. And now you're banging the keys and you're banging the mouse. Nothing's happening. The mind virus or the computer virus is now controlling events. It's dictating where the computer goes. It's scrambling its operating system. Now you take the that computer analogy to the human realm, and there's a mind virus that is infesting so many human minds, and it is scrambling their perception in exactly the same way that a computer virus does with a computer. And, you know, I came across um, about two years ago now, the Native American concept of something called Wetiko. And different Native American groups have different names, many of them very close to Wetiko. Uh, the Wetiko name comes from the Cree uh, from uh, northern United States into Canada. And when you see how they describe Wetiko, they are describing uh, in so many ways what religions describe and the Gnostics describe about the archons and demons and all that stuff. But it's a mind virus. That's how they describe it, a mind virus. It takes over the operating system. And just as the operator is disconnected from the computer by the, the computer virus, so the mind virus uh, it being imposed on humans, possessing humans more and more, um, is disconnecting the body-mind level, like the computer level, from expanded states of awareness. So when you know people say it in, in the COVID era, you know, why can't people see it? It's so bloody obvious. Look at the evidence. They can't see it. Yeah. They literally, literally can't compute it because this mind virus has got control of the operating system. And like I said, awakening is awakening out of the mind virus, out of body-mind um, centric perception to realize that actually what we call a human is simply a very brief experience of consciousness that is actually eternal. Yeah, that is so fascinating. That is so that is so interesting. I mean, I know we're a little over time. I'm sorry. Uh, is there when we pass from this realm? Uh, actually, we we talked about it briefly before we started recording. Do you think that we come back here, or do you think that we become one of these higher frequency beings? Do you think that those are us, maybe, and maybe some of the a holes turn into the lower frequency beings? Or, well, I am. Um... I go into this in detail in the trap. Yeah. Uh, like I say, it's out at the end of July. 
Um, because I wonder, I, I, you know, I, I've looked at this realm and I've looked at the manipulation and I, it's very clear that it goes on. So I say, and, you know, I, I first said this just after the millennium, turn of the millennium. And at that time, there was only another guy, a professor at Oxford University called Nick Bostrom, that actually was speaking publicly anyway, who believed that we live in a simulation, that this is a form of simulation. And I say that simulation is simply an energy source, oh, sorry, an information source that we decode into this reality, just like the computer decodes Wi-Fi into the reality on the screen. Uh, and since then, in all the years that have followed, uh, they, there has been more and more uh, uh, mainstream scientists who've concluded that actually this, this is a simulation because once you realize it's a simulation and how it works, it answers so many of the so-called great mysteries that are otherwise unanswerable. And uh, I had to laugh. In um, April 2021, uh, Scientific American came out with an article that said that this, um, this reality is a simulation and the limits of the simulation are the speed of light. Now, in just after the turn of the millennium, I said that, that this is a simulation and the limits, the walls of the simulation, at this level anyway, is the speed of light, which is not the fastest speed possible, that's ridiculous. Uh, but it's the it's the, the the operating speed of the simulation, and uh, this article was saying that um, the speed of light can be, and I think it's absolutely right, can be um, assigned to uh, the processing speed of the simulation. It was pointing out that, uh, and I and I've, I've done this myself years ago, that when you uh, say create a computer game, you put in the laws of the computer game, okay? What, what can happen and what can't happen within the game. Now, what are those codes they're putting in? They're the laws of physics. They're the laws of physics of that computer game, right? Um, and so this article was pointing out that you can do that, yeah, but whatever laws you put in, you're still going to be limited by your processing speed and 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 the, the speed of light is that processing speed. So, uh, you know, I was, I, I was going down that road and then I thought, well, what happens after death then? And <clears throat> I'd looked at this reincarnation and I've seen enough evidence, I've read enough about it over the years near-death experiences galore and all this stuff to conclude that actually reincarnation is real. But then I had another question. But, okay, but it still makes no sense. And if you look at the Eastern religions uh, and a lot of the, the New Age, which is actually the Eastern religions going Western, um, then we're supposed to believe that to evolve uh, to a point where we don't have to reincarnate because we're now enlightened through our experience, we have to keep continually 
reincarnating onto this tiny planet called Earth, which, if you compare the size of Earth with the projected size of the universe, according to mainstream science, planet Earth is the equivalent of a billionth of a pinhead. So um, we've got to keep reincarnating on a billionth of a pinhead to evolve to the point where we don't have to keep reincarnating onto a billionth of a pinhead. Make no sense to me. Mm -hmm. But, but if it's a perceptual trap to um, keep uh, entrapped consciousness moving between this 3D human level and it, out into, quote, heaven and back again, then suddenly it makes absolute bloody sense because that's a trap where you, you think you, uh, you, you, you have to do this to evolve. And in fact, it's a trap. You're going round and round. You're just being recycled. And so in terms of the question, um, this simulation and its other levels um, are within a certain band of frequency. And if your frequency, the frequency of your incarnate consciousness, what you might call your soul, is within that frequency, it ain't going to get out. And it's interestingly, there's a, an, an, an old esoteric concept called the ring pass knot. And that is said to be a frequency um, level which you have to get through to get out into the great infinite beyond. In other words, out the simulation. And you have to, um, your frequency has to be beyond that frequency. Because then you just go straight through it. Never the train shall meet. Like two radio stations or television stations on completely different wavelengths. Never the train shall meet. You're straight through them. But if you're within that frequency band, you are imprisoned by it. And so, Keeping uh, consciousness in a low level of perception, uh, the perception that is within that ring pass knot, as they call it, and many religions have different concepts of the same thing, then that's, that's vital if you're going to keep recycling consciousness back into, reincar into incarnation and out again and on and on it goes. Um, but if you become aware enough to realize that it is a trap, that's why I wrote the book, and that you are, see, this is another thing I go about in the book. I, I think soul is still only a level of awareness. I don't think it's who we are. It's a level of awareness. I, I use the term spirit for the true self. That which is all that is, has been, and ever can be in awareness of itself being that. Uh, whereas what we call soul is still, which we we see kind of comes in and out of the body, it's still in a kind of more individualized state, still a level rather than an it, um, an ultimate it. And the, 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 the soul can get entrapped perceptually in this reincarnation cycle. And what I've, what I've done um, when I was writing the trap, is I read um, a lot of um, a lot of accounts where 
therapists, hypnotists, whatever, have taken people back to the between life state and asked them to describe it. And the common themes are very compelling. And I looked at it and I read it and I thought, that's just another control system. That's not freedom. It's another control system. You know, you have to appear before elders who kind of go through your life and you, you have to go to school or you have to go to, you know, this, that, and the other. That's part of the trap. What? What's all <laughs> that about? It's another level of the trap. So this this reincarnation cycle is is a trap. I think it's real, but it's a trap. And and it's this this self-perception, this self-identity with the true self, the true infinite self that takes you to a level of frequency where you straight out of here when you leave the body. And that's that is why so fascinating. It's important for people to know that. Um, yeah, it's almost like a key, like a like a yeah, to decipher or like to get through. That is so fascinating because you were talking earlier about the different uh emotions that we feel have different frequencies and yeah. so someone that is like angry all the time or resentful or is just you know just been an ass you know has a certain frequency about them like and so to pass through this we have to you know become someone who loves and someone who cares and someone like we have to open up and embrace that godhood that we have in us and exactly to, like, exactly yeah, and someone who is aware of how the trap works, because to be streetwise is, uh, to this is very, very important. And going back to a, a point you made earlier about, you know, star seeds, however you want to um, symbolize them. Um, you know, there, there, are, there are people in this world, I say the vast majority, who are on this reincarnation cycle. And they're, they're on the trap. They're on the Ferris wheel. And there are others that have come out of, of uh, beyond the, the simulation, the reincarnation cycle, all of it, to actually try to make a difference in this in this reality, um, and um, so that's what people might call star seeds uh, or whatever. They're, they're, there's a lot of them that have come into this simulation from outside to to tell the story of yeah. what, what people need to know to to get out of here and break the cycle. And I, I think I, I think to be honest that um, we are we are going to see some amazing things happen. We're going to have some amazing challenges because this this is not going to go. Th th these people are not going to go quietly because they're desperate. They depend on us. They, of course, they're not going to go quietly. Um, but we're going to see some amazing things happen. And I think uh, ultimately uh, this whole nonsense is coming down. I really do. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. I think that they're losing their grip and they're just, they're getting more vicious about it. But I really yeah. think that we are, we're going to win. Their grip is simply human ignorance and keeping humans in a state of ignorance. That once mind virus. Once the ignorance disperses and people become aware, their, their power system's gone. It's over. Kaput. 100% agree. Uh, David, thank you so much, man. This was a true honor. Um, I'd love to have you back on after I've read your book and after that comes out. Yeah, and yeah thank you yeah, so well, much. If you contact Gemma uh, or Gareth, and uh, they'll send you a copy, mate. Awesome. That sounds great. Thank you so much, David.
Cheers, mate. Been been great. Been fascinating. 